Welcome to Pensions WTAF Working Through the Actual Facts podcast, a podcast brought to you by Pengage Limited, pension communications, engagement and guidance experts. I'm Laura and I have 25 years experience working within the pension sector, helping people to prepare and plan for their retirement. And I'm Nigel Heaton. I joined um, Laura at Pengage last year. After 33 years working in the pensions industry uh, for some of the major employee benefit consultancies, I'm also a fellow of the Pensions Management Institute and on pensions, I'm really short of an opinion. So this is a podcast no one will want to listen to because it's about pensions, but you should listen to it. It's a bit fun, it's relatable, it's kind of important. This is not financial advice, but guidance to help work through some of the practical and emotive issues that causes pensions procrastination. So we basically take the complicated stuff and try and make it a bit not complicated. this episode of the Pensions WTAF podcast. I'm Laura Bowler and he is Nigel Heaton. Hi, okay? Yeah, not bad, thank you. And we have a special guest with us today, don't we? Hello, Laura. Hello. So we've got Anna with us today. So Anna is actually married to Nigel, that's right, isn't it? Yes, 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 she's my darling wife and my princess, yes. (laughs) It's lovely. If you could see them, they're sitting next to each other. It's really nice. But Anna, you also uh, work within the NHS, don't you? Yes, I've worked for the NHS for over 38 years. Brilliant. So um, I think Nigel and I mentioned on our last podcast that we were going to bring Anna on uh, this time round to um, talk to Anna about some questions and decisions that she made around her own NHS pension. And that's what we're going to try and do today. Yeah. Yeah, Um, yeah, because Anna's effectively retired from January. But she's returned to work, so she um, has personal experience of the, a lot of the things that you and I talk about, Laura. Okay, yeah, and I think that's really helpful. I think we were just saying at the start, isn't it? Sometimes I think people don't know where to start with this whole process, so to get an inside view would be really helpful, I think, for the listeners. Um, so, Anna, if you don't mind, could you set out a brief background of your work history for us, just so that we've got an idea of who you are? Right, well, I started my nurse training in September 1984 after completing my A-levels. Trained as a student nurse for three years and qualified as a state registered nurse in 1987. Um, My career has been very varied, but predominantly I've worked as a senior nurse in Accident University. And for the last 10 years, I have worked in occupational health. Perfect, thank you. And then what about your pension scheme? So you're a member of the NHS pension scheme? Yes, I uh, started my NHS pension scheme as a student uh, in 1984 and have contributed even when I've been on maternity leave uh, right up until retirement. So I, I suppose that the important point is that because you joined the NHS back in the 80s, that means you were automatically enrolled into the 1995 section. Yes. And because you were and still are a nurse, you were entitled to join the special category of the 1995 section. That's right. Which allows you effectively to have a normal pension age of 55. Yes, which I have just exceeded. <laughs> yeah. But yes. Perfect. So um, when you mentioned there that you actually stayed in the scheme um, right the way through, and um, have you, so why was that? Was there any particular reason why you, you stayed in versus coming out of the scheme? I know it's one of the things that people do look at at the moment. I think as students, it was very drummed into us about the benefits of the NHS pension scheme. And 
my dad had a big influence in it as well. Uh, always sort of preparing yourself, having a pension to fall back on. And it was a bit of a no-brainer. You, you put into it and the government puts into it. And, you know, at the end of retirement days, you've, you've got a lump sum and, and a, a guaranteed pension to have in your retirement. Yeah. Okay. That's great. I think that's the thing, isn't it? Is that if you, people come out of the scheme, um, they may end up with more money in their pay because they're not paying the contributions, oh. but they're, they're kicking a problem down the road because then you've got no income for when you want to yeah. stop work, which is the thing. Okay, cool. So as we've, we've touched on, you um, have special class status and you have reached that age of 55 where you could access the 95 benefits uh, without reduction for early payment. So you decided to do that earlier this year, didn't didn't you? Yeah. Um, could you and um, possibly you and you and Nigel talk us through that decision making process? So what did you do? Where did you start? What did you look at? All those sorts of things. I think, well, when I was 50, um, I'm 57 now. When I was 55, I, I knew I could um, start looking towards looking at claiming my pension but it, it was during the pandemic and for me it was it, I, I couldn't walk out the NHS in the middle of a pandemic so I stayed until I was 57. Uh, we, we, we talked through we did the maths and and then set the ball rolling I had to speak to my manager about it because I wasn't ready to completely give up work I needed to have something I couldn't walk away and I think working in the NHS it's unless you work there you it, it's not like working for an institution it's not but it's very a big family and and it was hard to make that cut and walk away completely so being able to speak to my manager and work out what hours I could work um, what suited her, what suited me, and financially, what suited us as a family were, were the big contributing factors that we looked at before we started uh, researching where to, to look at to get my forecast for my pension. So we were probably starting to think about it this time last year, weren't we? Yeah. And, and I think it's worth pointing out that you were working three days a week yeah. this time last year, and therefore we were considering the possibility of retiring and returning to work but of course returning to work with fewer hours now if you're already working three days that means you either return to work and work shorter days or it becomes two days or one day yeah doesn't it and i, I think we bounced around a few possibilities based on childcare because george is um, i was going to say george was doing gcse's but he's just turned six, 16 and he's just finished them um it was childcare, one or two other things. Um, Anna's mum is in a care home. All those kind of things came into it. And I think we decided that the ideal scenario for us, putting the finances to one side, was that Anna would work one day a week and spend the rest of the time doing family things, yeah. seeing a mum and sorting George out and so on. And then we started to look at the finances to see how much it would be possible. Okay, so you came from the perspective of what would you like to do and then assess can you afford to do it? So you sort of came at it from that perspective. Yeah, yeah, but it, I, I guess maybe we're not typical because Anna obviously has worked in the NHS for 30 odd years and I've worked in pensions for 30 odd years. So between us, we weren't completely ignorant as to what the numbers would look like. We had a pretty good idea, but, you know, without 
getting the, the the actual detail in black and white we were sort of thinking in very broad terms and then we gradually began to get to the next level of granularity and filter it down to more detail and we started to think yes this could work <laughs> and then anna you you so you work one day a week now i do i work on a wednesday uh eight till six every week and do you, do you do did you so you said you weren't completely ready to start work. So is that uh, so? Do you find that having the Wednesday kind of gives you a bit of structure and a bit of of consistency? Is that what it's about? Yeah, it's uh, it suits the service need for the NHS and the, for the department that I work in. It's um, and and it, and it suits our family life as well. We can plan, we can make arrangements for childcare, visiting my mum, and, and other family commitments that we have as well. Yeah. I think. You're being a little bit modest, darling. I, I think I know from what you've told me that your team at work value your input to the extent that a lot of the team activities happen on a Wednesday when they know you're going to be there. And let's face it, eight till six is, is quite a long day. Mm. So um, you're, you're still working effectively quite hard. And things like team meetings happen on a Wednesday because they know Anna's there. So you've still got a relatively mm. senior role and a lot of strategic decisions that need to be made and it's just that they're only made on a Wednesday night. Midweek, <laughs> <laughs> why not? Um, so was there any part of the process then in, in, that you found quite challenging? I think for me the, the biggest challenge was was doing it and saying this, this is the time to go because having worked in one place and not so much in one hospital though I have worked at Bolton for over 30 years it was that was my biggest challenge was it, it's time to do it now and 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 then started the pro the process was made quite easy because obviously Nigel's experience and um and, and contacting the pensions officers at the trust where I work uh, who were, were, were very good I have to say helping me through this uh, my manager was extremely supportive, um, but the, the biggest challenge was actually going. Yeah, let's have that leap of faith and do it. Okay. I think. Have you got? Yeah. Go Sorry, I, I think it's fair to, to add that um, the people who supported Anna locally within Doyle Bolton Hospital, the pensions people, have been extremely helpful to to Anna. But we know. Laura, you and I, that not all hospital trusts have those people. They don't have on-site pensions managers. Um, and I also know that Anna's manager has been very helpful and supportive and flexible. And you and I also know that not all managers and certainly not all NHS managers are flexible and supportive. So you could say we've been lucky or you could say that, you know, the Royal Bolton Hospital actually pays a lot of attention to this um, and, and probably both of those are probably a little bit true. Yeah definitely I think one of the things that we see we have to quite talk to people about quite a lot with anything like the retirement return or the new flexible option is we can talk about what's allowed from a pensions point of view but actually the first hurdle if you like is being able to obtain agreement from your employer to change mm. the working pattern because they're not all able to do that. I was trying to give the example to somebody the other day that if, if you've got 10 consultants working in a department, for example, or 10 nurses, and all of those 10 nurses said, we all want to reduce our hours down to two days a week, it's not necessarily going to be something that an employer could support if, if that happened. Mm. And so it has to be very much a kind of discretion and, and managing the workforce as, as well. But some some are more 
challenging places to work than others I think so it's great that you've been able to get that support because it's about retaining your experience isn't it within the team that's that's really important um so are you so you when you uh took your pension it was earlier this year wasn't it was it January just January I started yeah yeah so you did what we call a retire and return which is where you effectively to all intents and purposes resign have a gap of 24 hours and then come back again on um possibly different terms and conditions again some trusts honor the original ones some don't it's a little bit inconsistent Mm -hmm. um now this year what they're bringing in from october is something called flexible retirement are you is that something that nigel's talked about have you heard of this before no you've had the letter but the letter Mm -hmm. it is quite long and detailed and technical so i i mean i i sort of read it and thought well you know it, it doesn't apply to you or to us it might well apply to some of your friends and colleagues um but it, it is quite technical i'm not sure how many people would fully understand it and, and to an extent it's not that different to retire and return anyway no, it's not not actually um so you're right i think we the last podcast we did was around the flexible retirement option wasn't it it's so essentially anna what it is is from october um instead of doing a retire and return like you did what you can do is is effectively just carry on working so there's no gap there's no change in terms and conditions um and you can take some or all of your 95 benefits um but you have to reduce the pensionable pay by at least uh 10 so in your circumstances you you would have done that um but i just wonder whether if that had been in place that would have changed anything that you would have done but i'm not sure it would have done actually for no, what no, I don't think it would have done. I think my mind was made up and I don't I wanted to go when I wanted to go. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's great that the NHS is introducing flexibilities which brings them more in line with what other employers have probably been doing for quite a long time. And and obviously that's progress. But I think within the NHS, Anna and a lot of her colleagues and a lot of people who are still working there have just come out of, of a pandemic. You know, a lot of what you read in the press is quite true. Morale is at its lowest ever. It's a, a stressful place to work. There's still a huge backlog. People are worn out. And, and if they can find a way to um, reduce their time spent at work, but still retain that element of providing a public service and staying in touch with the work friends by working one day or two days a week, then they will. And, and what Anna's done it's not unique by any means and, and there's lots of her friends done it and, and currently considering it and it, it suits them but it also suits the health service doesn't it because obviously they're retaining uh, people's skills and expertise when otherwise they would just walk out the door and say thanks that's me done mm-hmm. yeah exactly no, and I think that was the premise behind introducing some of it wasn't it is to try and retain some of the workforce I mean knowing what you know now and sort of the last six months would was there anything about would you change anything about what you've done no not at all okay um and have you got um any pieces of insight that you think the listeners would benefit from based on your experience of taking your benefits I would say just talk Sort of sort your finances out and 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 just do it. You know, if you can always return out <clears throat> working on the bank, working an agency, if you feel that, that it's too difficult to walk away from, because it is sometimes that commitment. You spend more time with your work family sometimes than you do with your own family, and 
you bond friendships that will last for years if you all work together. Um, and I think that would be the hardest thing to do was to walk away completely. But knowing that you can return to work and you can do extras now and, you know, you can still have that contact that you had with people. I wouldn't change a thing. I would say do it. You can always go back in some capacity if you feel that you didn't make the right decision. I, I think just going back to something we said earlier, which is that maybe we were lucky or maybe just the Bolton Hospital has got it right. You had the support of your line manager. Yeah. You also had the support of the pensions managers who were based locally. Not everybody has that. And I, I think it, it helped us being able to access the real facts and figures. Mm-hmm. We could make a decision because we had the information. I know from talking to you about colleagues and friends and from talking to Laura about other people, not everybody can actually get early retirement figures that easily. And, and I think that is a big challenge. But also simple concepts like retirement return and flexible retirement. Whilst we know what they are, a lot of our colleagues, sorry, a lot of your colleagues and friends don't. They don't actually know what it means. They have a vague idea, but they don't know the, the details and specifically. Yeah. And, and urban myths and, and rumours do take hold quite strongly in a hospital. And people say, such a body did this so I can do it. And sometimes it's just not true. Have you have you got any examples of that, Anna? Do you know, or, or not from, from Anna's place of work? Have you heard anything where you've just gone, no? Well, the, the, the McLeod situation is a good one because I think a lot of 1995 members were convinced that McLeod meant they would lose the additional tax-free cash sum entitlement. Now, there is no basis to that happening. Now, you and I have both done webinars in the workplace on McLeod where we've had those specific questions. Will I lose my tax-free cash? And the answer is, of course you, of course you won't. <laughs> the whole health service would walk out otherwise. <laughs> Um, that, that, that's a good. That's a good yeah, example. A lot of my senior senior doctors in the hospital have done that because they felt that they were going to lose some money, um, and which is obviously not true. But um, I, I, yeah. I think there's a lot of misconception about the way in which the different normal pension ages interact, because obviously people who've been with the health service for as long as Anna, or even just going back as long as recently as 2012, they're going to have benefits in more than one section with more than one normal pension age. And, and I think there's a there's a misunderstanding as to how that works. Um, so, yeah. yeah there, there is. A, I've done a post on it actually on the Facebook page. So I've mentioned to Anna for the listeners' benefit, we've got um, a Facebook page um, which has got which is gaining quite a lot of traction. But I did a post on that this week about the pension. I did a poll actually. I ran a poll that said uh, basically were the twenty fifteen changes worse and had they changed your plans? And there was different answers. And some people came back and said they'd significantly changed their plans. And and I was like, well, why? Because they're focusing on that that later retirement age, normal pension age that you get in the two thousand and fifteen section. It's like yes, but it, for most circumstances, special class status to one side. For most circumstances, mm-hmm. actually taking the twenty fifteen pension at sixty is very similar to what you would have got from ninety five at sixty. But what people do is they focus on the age rather than kind of how it works because the benefits grow quicker. So there is quite a lot of misconception around that. At special class status, it is obviously a little bit different because you can access from 55 without the reduction. So um, 
Okay, brilliant. Thank you, um, Anna. Just one last question for me. Um, what are the plans now? Are you are you carrying on as you are? Is that what you want to do for a while? I'm good to carry on as I am one day a week. I have been asked to support the department with things like the flu campaign and COVID vaccinations. So I do have the option to go in and do another day a week, another two days a week if I want to, um, which, you know, is a service need that I'm happy to fulfil. Um, yeah, George has just finished his GCSE, so a lot of the pressure's off, and it was good being at home to support him with his exams because he had to be in school early, finish at difficult times. Um, but yeah, that, that's what I do. Stick on one day a week. I'd like to get my forty years service in, so that, that's my next aim is to get to there and then reevaluate everything. So that's a couple of years off yet. Brilliant. Thank but, yeah, you. yeah, I'll stay where I am for the time being. Right. And Nigel, have you noticed a difference in Anna since she's changed her working pattern? Y yes, yes. I think we're, <laughs> we're more we're more relaxed, um, less stressed. But as you know yourself, I, I've sort of phased myself into retirement in a similar way. So it, it, there's probably a difference in me as well. So, yeah, I, th I think ours is a, a much less stressed household yeah. these days um, for, for lots of reasons. It's just George who has the stress now. Um, but uh, that's life, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. Oh, well, that's brilliant. Thanks so much, Anna. I really appreciate your time today. No, you're very welcome. Thank you. And thanks, Nige. Um, and Hi. then if you, uh, I will say goodbye and then you join us for the podcast. Uh, next one's coming out in July. All right. Thank you. Bye. Thanks. Bye. 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 Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you have any questions that you would like,